Hello, Winston. Jonathan. Now, as I recall, weren't you the one tasked to dole out the beatings, not receive them? Rusty, I guess. To what do we owe the pleasure? Yosef Terosov. What about him? I'd like to talk with him. A talk, you say? I'm familiar with the parlance, Jonathan. I want to ask you this. Have you returned to the fold? Just visiting. Have you thought this through? I mean, chewed down to the bone. You got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond. You may well find something reaches out and drags you back into its depths. Where do I find him? Adrenal Heads, welcome back to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Kat. And this week we are going to be covering a newer film, which came out in 2014. That would be John Wick. And the synopsis for this particular movie, if you haven't watched this movie, which obviously there's going to be a lot of people out there. This movie came out six years ago. So the synopsis for John Wick is the legendary assassin John Wick, played by Keanu Reeves. Retired from his violent career after marrying the love of his wife, life, not his wife, <laughs> her sudden death leaves John in deep mourning. When sadistic mobster Yosef Tarasov, played by Alfie Allen, and his thugs steal John's prized car and kill the puppy that was last, a last gift from his wife. John unleashes the remorseful, uh, remorseless killing machine within and seeks vengeance. Meanwhile, Yosef's father, played by Michael Neekvist, John's former colleague, puts a huge bounty on John's head, and then the carnage ensues. <laughs> so this was a really cool film. Cat picked this movie out, and I do enjoy the film. I got to see it a long time ago after it came out. I didn't see this in the theaters. I actually wound up getting it when it came out on On Demand or through uh you know blu-ray or something when i purchased it so and with this movie like any other movies that we cover well this movie has so many actors in it that we just have have to talk about them because we see them almost every day or every other movie but just they just give us pure magic at times so some we know because we see them often and some that are just character actors that we know and first one off would be alfie allen as Yosef, and he was in Game of Thrones as Theon Greyjoy. And also we have Willem Dafoe as Marcus, and we've seen him, you know, he's a legendary film actor. Come on, Platoon, he played Green Goblin in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. He was in Aquaman and Boondock Saints and so much more. Then we have John Leguizamo. We remember him from Super Mario Brothers. He also played the clown in Spawn and so many other films. He's just a really good comedian as well, too. And then we have Kevin Nash from the WWE. So he's a WWE Hall of Famer. He was in the Thomas Jane Punisher film. And that's something that I still have to go back to on Panels to Pixels when I do that podcast and cover that because we never cover that. <laughs> so and he played Francis the bouncer at the bar. Plus, we get Ian McShane. We all know him from Deadwood, American Gods, and so much more. A really a brilliant Irish actor. And then we got Bridget Moynihan, and you could find her on Blue Bloods. And she was also in the the movie I, Robot with Will Smith. And, of course, David Patrick Kelly. Now, we, that name ha has come up so many times on the podcast, and it probably will continue to go on. So you could see him in the movie The Crow. The Warriors, which I really need to do. Commando, which we covered last week with Steve, so and so much more. 
So he's not saying ooh la la in this one, people. So if you listen to the Commando podcast, you'll get that reference. So uh, what David Patrick Kelly played was pretty much he was the part of the cleanup crew at John's house in the movie. So if you haven't watched the movie, go back, watch it, come back and listen to this podcast because there's so much that we're going to deep dive into this movie. I already mentioned we were talking about, you know, we're going to do the Warriors. But the, the the plus side of this, the one quirky little thing that I picked out out of my rewatch is we get the Allstate insurance guy, Dean Winters. I, I couldn't find his name originally, so sorry, all you adrenal heads. I, I thought he missed something, but I got it. And, yeah, it's so funny because if you go back and watch those commercials, he dresses up almost like the uh, – I I forget who it was that was in the car, but he dresses up as the mother-in-law in makeup. His character is uh, in those commercials is actually mayhem, and oh, you know okay. this movie is full of mayhem. And if you look at the commercials, he gets pretty banged up a lot. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> All right. This is part of the podcast where we go into general thoughts of the movie. So uh, I'm going to let Cat go first, and then I'll continue on with my thoughts. All right. Well, first of all, I love this movie. I love the trilogy so far. We have two more coming. So this was my pick. And I did see it in the theater. It was fabulous in the theater. All the action up there and the sound so much better than than in the house. And right now we're all stuck in the house with our own theater. So I think everybody can relate to the difference between watching something in the theater and, and missing it right now. Mark covered a lot of, you know, what the movie is about and mm-hmm. the action. Um, it's, I thought, unusual for, even though it was 2014, for the time that it had just so much action back to back to back to back. Um, I, in my rewatch, I was actually surprised there was more dialogue than I remembered. <laughs> so. cool. Yeah. And, and just one of the funny things. I mean, it is a fun movie. And I listened to a panel with the directors, a couple of the actors, and they kept saying what a fun movie it was, not just referring to fun to make, but fun. So in mentioning that, you know, I was going to do a podcast and on Adrenaline Cinema, and it was John Wick, uh, my dad looked at me and he said, uh, isn't that the one where he kills everybody? It's all action. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I love it. It's a great movie. So trying to explain to someone how much fun this movie is where John Wick kills everybody just in an attempt to get to one person and kill that one person. <laughs> exactly. You know, but it's a lot of fun. You know, so um, that's yeah. that's my experience of the movie. Um, otherwise, I love that aside from just having all the drama and the action, it's got a story to it and a lot of really great acting. Mm-hmm. It's not just all violence. There's a, there's a reason it starts. Yeah, it's but, got a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It does. And great actors that put their hearts into it. Uh, no one in this movie is doing it half-assed or, you know, not just excellent on the screen. Perfect. And my thoughts, well, this this to me was a movie of pure vengeance, if you think about it. John is someone who holds on to things well, and he has conviction, determination, and a really good focus. I guess you have to be if you're going to be some sort of executioner <laughs> or an assassin, mm-hmm. if that were. If you're going to be a good one anyway. Exactly. Uh, what had happened in the beginning of the movie was really terrible, in my opinion. The, and this was a, a vengeance movie with Keanu Reeves playing the character very, very well. A far cry from his other work. This made him, in my opinion, really determined action hero. Now, we saw the when Wendy and I talked about Point Break, we talked about Speed and how those were his introductions. Uh, He's had so many years in between from then till now to create that iconic action hero. And now everybody associates Keanu Reeves with John Wick more than they do with Johnny Utah or Neo from The Matrix. And I think that's really cool. Or even that period where he did a lot of... uh 
sad, dramatic roles, romance roles. Um, yeah, there was well, one with Charlize Theron, like November Man, and mm-hmm. oh, was it the not the Notebook? No, it wasn't. The notebook. <laughs> no, it, it was the one where he was passing letters through time. In yes. A, Yes. Mailbox, but he had that period where the lake house or something like the that. lake house. That was it, and yeah. and that's a departure from the action films. So he had that period in the middle. You know, he tried something else, and he's so much better at this. I mean, he's a great dr- dramatic actor, but yeah. maybe that's just not my area of favor. <laughs> he's vi- he's very diverse as an actor, and he could yeah. come up with really good characters and know how to show empathy, sympathy, and all those emotions that go involved, get involved with becoming that character. And I do enjoy that. You know, for me, the first step for any of the action movies that he did for me was speed. So that, that got me, you know, rooting for the Keanu action hero <laughs> at that point. And- yeah, and he, he really grew from that. I mean, yeah. if you look at all the progression of those action movies, you know, his action sequences increased, 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 you know, and until he got them better. Back. Yep. Oh, yeah, definitely. Over definitely. time, he's gotten better. And, you know, now the man's in his mid to late 50s. So he's 56 right yes. now. That's he was 50 when they were making this movie. Yep. So, and he's got more in him, more in the tank. So, oh, yeah. But with that also, you, you already mentioned, we talked about the lake house and all his other diversified characters with being dramatic. You know, it just, you know, in the very beginning of the movie, the way he showed all that emotion when the dog and having to deal with that reminded me of another movie that was very early on in his career. It was 1988's Permanent Record. And that was so much emotion back then, too. And it dealt with suicide and how people dealt with grief. Uh, Jennifer Rubin was in that movie. And it's something that I remembered in my youth that I loved and I I liked. It, it had that kind of stoner look and dude like he did in Bill and Ted. But it was playing a typical high schooler at that point and dealing with the tragedy of losing a best friend. I don't remember that one. I'm going to have to go back and and check that one out. Yeah. So in this part of the podcast, we actually move on to our favorite scenes. So we're going to alternate a little bit. So I'm going to let Kat go first with her first one. Okay. My favorite scene, actually, I have two of them and they Mm -hmm. relate to each other. Okay. But uh, the first one I thought of in this rewatch this time around, they aren't even the action sequences. But the first one is the one you just referenced, that first 13 minutes of the movie. Mm. where, I mean, it starts, of course, with him in the SUV that just Mm -hmm. rolls into a wall. So that was not the same. But the section that I picked as my favorite scene from this part of the movie was the very heartfelt grief and dramatic part with his wife dying, the funeral. We see some of the relationship with he and his wife, with Helen, in flashbacks. Yes. But just the... They were able to put a lot of story into that. Yeah, the way he acted and was able to show grief and heart through that, mm-hmm. juxtaposed to, of course, that spurred on the vengeance and the violence after that. But the difference between the two, you know, if you just saw that piece before you knew it was going to be an action film, you might have thought it was some of his other dramatic former work. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was very genuine. It was very touching. It really built up to, of course, the story of why he changed. Mm-hmm. But it just, it shows his range. It shows what he's learned and how he's grown through the other movies. There was also, the director had, and originally he was playing the scene, the director had asked him to dial it up a little bit, that they really wanted more intense grief in there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they played it through and he just asked him to, to pour himself into it. And um, one of the things that I found into this, you know, and his trying to dig down for how can he play that grief even more intensely or with more heart, more realness is um, in Keanu's life in his real life, he had had a girlfriend and they were going to have a baby and, mm. and they lost the baby. 
So mm-hmm. he had that, you know, drawn. And then actually less than a year later, he also lost that girlfriend in yes. an accident. Yeah, she died. Yeah. So, you know, those two things, if you look, he's playing scenes where he's lost his wife and then of course he loses his puppy. But I can imagine how he could, you know, dig down and pull from that to show his grief and heart in this. Cause it really, 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 he played it real. It looked real. Yeah. So, so that's the favorite scene I pulled out of this rewatch. Yeah. I will have to add on to that. You know, the initial few scenes, like you stated, were extremely intense. You can tell mm-hmm. that, you know, the character loved his wife. She left him with that dog, which was a complete surprise to him. And that was literally to give him comfort, strength, and a reason to be. Something coming from beyond the grave at that point, because, you know, she even states within the letter that I might not be here at this time. Right. In fact, in fact, she had planned to arrive after her death. Yes. And, And in the letter, it said, you know, you need someone to love. Exactly. And, and it was a hard journey for him, too, within those few scenes. You know, he feeds the dog cereal and then and he lets the dog up on the bed with him at certain points. And he realized and he's like, oh, you got to go. But, yeah. you know, for him to love something, if he can't even love himself at that point because he is in such grief. So it gave him a focus. Think oh, about yeah. And it. when he, he changed his life for the love of his life, life. You know, this is a whole different life than the one he actually goes back to. Exactly. And then he loses her. So without that puppy and knowing what grief is like, you lose your life. Mm-hmm. That person, the spouse isn't dead, but the life they had is now over exactly. when that spouse is gone. It's just changed forever. So yeah, the puppy comes in, gives him something to love, gives him, you know, hope. How can you not look at a little puppy playing and not have just a little spark of of joy and hope. Yeah. And then also he loses the car, which he loves, but he also uses that car in one scene where he's on an airport strip where they have, uh, I guess plows and he's doing donuts going, well, using speed is the correct term, you know, (laughs) no pun intended for the other movie. But he was speeding it up a notch to get his adrenaline out. I felt sad for the dog because I'm sure the dog was in the car with him too. But it got right, to that point. Later where he was, on, he asked, yeah. you know, are you okay, guy? Are you okay, <laughs> fella? It's yeah. like, where was the dog? And swirling around down like where like, you go, oh, hiding under the seat. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel sorry for the cleanup in the back of that backseat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, you know, it was like he was challenging death at that point. He's struggling with reality and what he had to deal with his wife's death, his own feelings because he was pretty much a contract killer. Now he's trying to make a real life for himself, and he lost the one thing that was real to him. I hadn't hadn't thought about that either because as you're saying that, what what it made me think of is this is a death. I mean, not just that he's never experienced, hmm. but this is a whole different experience of death. His life Correct. was full of death in a different way. Yes. He's the one that was the Baba Yaga. He was the one that was to kill the boogeyman, as it were, as they say within the movie. And he was death incarnate. But in this case, it's as if death got a a heart, a soul, and a had a life now that was ripped from them and Mm -hmm. now he's got to go and go back to that world and i think that's really where the challenge is within that one scene where it's like he's battling himself and that was really hard to watch as well as yusuf killing that particular dog that was just wrong it that that upsets me yeah and actually that is the reason some people have told me they can't watch the movie because they of won't the dog. watch it. Yeah, I, I don't blame them. Yeah, but you don't really see the dog get physically hit. It's a cut scene. Oh, but that shot where you hear the it's noise. Floor, it's in its floor level, mm-hmm. and it zooms in on the puppy in front of him, and mm-hmm. he's unconscious, and he wakes up. I mean, honestly, hard. honestly, in this rewatch, I mean, I know it's there. I know it's coming up. Yeah, and I just I forwarded through it. 
I thought, okay, I don't need to cry tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, I know. (laughs) All this death, all this murder and death, and and even his wife, but I can't watch a puppy go. No, same here. You could always fast forward that, by the way, listeners. Just go to the next scene. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Yeah, just go to that next scene. So, well, you had a, a few more. Yeah, when we were going through different things that we liked about the movie, and I, I have a different scene that's that's in the quotes that I can talk about, but one of the things that was really special or new and outstanding about this movie is the way that they, you know, cinematography, how they shot the action scenes. I mean, the action scenes are incredible in this. Mm-hmm. They're brutal, but they're incredible. And the way they shot them on a long, continuous shot. Yes, they didn't cut back and forth between, you know, actors. It wasn't the point of view from the person killing, really. But they had one long shot. And actually that first killing scene, killing piece, where the people are coming into his house to assassinate him, yeah. it's just that's where you see that first glimpse of, you know, boom, boom, boom. He's taking those guys out. But yeah. you can see the whole, you know, the whole series. And that was something new. Yes, you didn't see that in action films. Nope. So that was outstanding. Outstanding. And the fact that the director was his, um, formerly a stunt man in, in a, a couple of movies with him. And he was a fight choreographer. It shone through. You could see it in there. It was shining through. So um, that and it works and then, best, too. When you oh, have, it does. Yeah, it works best when you have somebody that you've worked with before who was your stunt double and choreographing these fight scenes, it works out in the sense that you're already on the same wavelength of where you are. And Keanu has been, you know, he's learned jujitsu for the matrix. He's been learning all these fight patterns over the years. So to see that he's able to do the majority of these stunts himself is amazing. Right. And, and the director knew that going in because they had that relationship and you, you've got to be close with your son to make it work. And choreograph, you know, even the switches in between. Mm-hmm. So the synergy between the two of them, I think, really showed. I mean, they're both super talented. So you've got that to start with, to work with. But so that, just that part of the movie, how it was filmed. Mm-hmm. And there's one other little piece that, you know, I, I do the detail stuff. What was the name of that book in the background? All these things. And this might be <laughs> one that somebody might not pull out. Um, and it's not as tiny as a book. But the other beautiful thing in this was the way they filmed New York as a character, almost. And there's so many scenes where the skyline of New York is in the background. Now, I'm in the Midwest, so that's something I don't see. You know, and it was just beautiful. So, like, in the cemetery, there's a scene where you can see this beautiful skyline of New York in the background. You know, and then when they get into the city, they're filming, you know, buildings from different points of view. Um, mm-hmm. But they almost, I mean, there's some movies where the city and the location becomes a character. And it, it was just beautiful. And I don't know, you guys out, out east and New Yorkers might not have, have noticed that or experienced the same way. But um, I, I think I have being a New Yorker because sometimes if you're driving on the highway, there's a cemetery in Queens. And if you pass it over the highway, you actually do see it. And it looks like a whole landmass of, you know, tombstones and everything. And it's just at a certain time during the day, you actually could appreciate it because of the way the, the sun hits it or the way the day looks. And then the same thing with the buildings as well as you, you talk about, because I've seen a lot of those buildings up front, but I don't see it from that perspective. But the way they filmed it and the way they shot it looks really good. Right. And it if I were driving through those scenes you're talking about and I could see this guy, I couldn't drive. I couldn't drive there just <laughs> for the for the simple fact that I'd be driving off the road because I'd be staring at that. I'd be okay, you know, ogling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of the two. I mean, either that or I'd piss everyone off because I was pulling over every half a mile just to stare. <laughs> the same, probably the same thing with the buildings. I'd be looking up. So I saw them from that per, uh, perspective and walking into walls or walking into people. (laughs) You and I know each other. You've probably seen me do that anyway. Yeah, a few times. (laughs) (laughs) It's a a special talent. 
Well, to add on to what you were talking about with the long shots, we talked about this before we started recording, but they actually did those. They started doing those around the same time when they were doing the Netflix series Daredevil. And then eventually it led into the TV show Preacher. And there's like at least a good three of them in Preacher that you could see. And there's several, a bunch of them in the Netflix series Daredevil. So, you know, for those of you that are interested in Panels to Pixels, my other podcast, we do discuss those particular scenes in previous podcasts. So it's something that we look forward to, Steve and I. But that was around that same time when they were filming John Wick, when they were doing all this. It seemed to be like that new thing in cinema to do to get the audience captivated. To get them really interested in and really thoroughly into the scene. Because you don't see the actor too much if they're cut. So to add on with my thoughts, well, my next thought would be the breaking of the cement for his weapons. Now, that was just him opening up an older self of him. You know, an older version of himself at that point. He was breaking those walls, becoming what he was something that he kind of hid and think about it the cement is kind of like a metaphor of what he used to be but he had to get those coins he had to get those guns he had to get that weaponry and then fly off you know even if it defied upon what he you know he had agreed upon originally that was great symbolism though yes that was a good catch and great symbolism for that transition and even even the symbolism is very violent Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's just aggression. Yeah, it has to go somewhere when, you know, you feel that way. Yeah. And you had a, a couple of other points, too. Yeah, I we've touched on it. And, you know, I've got a lot of those weird, quirky notes. But in looking at this, you know, the storyline, the writing, the directing, everything in it is top quality. But if I'm looking at one or two, three things that you know, the best about this movie, the number one thing about this movie has to be Keanu Reeves. It just yeah. has to be. It, Without it, him, I, there wouldn't be John Wick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine? I Now, I didn't look up other choices. I don't even think they had other choices. I don't think so either. I think this was probably written for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, one way or another, whether it was conscious or not, it was. Well, if you listeners out there are listening to this now after it's been broadcast or put out, if you know that there was any other person that was uh, possible to be John Wick, let us know and put that in the comments below when this is put on Facebook. Yeah, or that or... Us. That or come up with someone you, you cannot find someone who would have been better. I can't imagine, you know. I already know who Ben would pick. <laughs> That's the second thought I had, too. <laughs> I know we're thinking of the same actor. And I thought, who else could have played this? That was the first person that came to mind. Bruce Willis. Exactly. <laughs> he could have. But then Probably. it wouldn't have been the same movie either. And I love Bruce Willis, but I do not believe he could have done all the stunt work that Keanu Reeves did. He did did 90% of the um, driving in this, of the stunt driving. You know, he really did. He, in that scene on the tarmac with the snowplows or dump trucks, whatever they were, he learned how to do that, the drift and, and all those other things. And listening to an interview, it was clear that he loves it. He loves learning those new things to do stunts. I don't know how, it, how could he go back to a movie like Buddha <laughs> where he, there's no stunts in that. In fact, it's a lot of sitting and slow walking, you know, okay. he, it was, he was good in it. That was awesome. Um, but Maybe that was he needed even, a break. <laughs> yeah, I have to sit for a little while. <laughs> yeah. I looked it up because it seems like his personality fits that Buddhist uh, philosophy and lifestyle. Oh, it, is. So- it is. It's it's very well known that that's if you ever encounter Keanu Reeves, it's a very interesting yeah. experience because I think he was hitchhiking at one point mm-hmm. and a bunch of kids picked him up. They didn't recognize him. They didn't know who he was until 
they got to their end point and somebody was like, you just had Keanu Reeves in your car. Mm-hmm. But he was so cool and chill, they said, and they, they loved the experience. And then when right. they realized who it was, they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and a, a lot of people assume he is a Buddhist. That's why I looked it up. But it, in that, with him being so perfect for this and such a great actor, that was one of the things I thought of, too. Mm. How far from the personality and the person that we know, if you listen to interviews or know about his real secret philanthropy, you know? Yeah. His own personality and who he is seems so far from John Wick, but he does it so well. And in the interviews, it's clear he loves it. So maybe he's getting that side of him out through that, but I just find the juxtaposition of John Wick to... Keanu Reeves, yeah. really interesting. And that's part of why you know he's my first pick. And, and just even the juxtaposition between playing Buddha and <laughs> playing John Wick. <laughs> and I liked him in that movie. It, it was fun to watch him in there. Well, I don't know. Fun. It was interesting. It was good. Yeah. I can't think of one movie I didn't like him in. Same here. Or that he did poorly. Uh, uh, well, when we get down... To my guilty pleasures, uh, you'll see a movie that not many people knew. But when we get to that, you guys will wonder and be like, wow, that was completely different. Okay. So we'll get to that when we get to that, ladies and gentlemen. So my next few that I'll throw out there real quick. would Favorite scenes would be the nightclub scene. I thought that was really good, really intense. Mm-hmm. John was focused on his target for Yusuf at that point. I thought it was great. That scene of Alfie running was amazing when the bullets just miss him at all times. What a fast guy. You oh, yeah. The bullets. Yeah. yeah. And John's confrontation with Vigo, that was intense within that scene itself. John explained to Vigo what his son had done to him while grieving. And when then John is focused on getting Vigo and his son at that point. There is no more trust. There is only vengeance at and that's all that John could see. The intensity was really amazing with the way he took out Vigo's thugs. That dog and grieving meant a lot to him at that point. And somebody mm-hmm. just tried to take that away. Mm-hmm. The way he was able to get out and get Vigo and pull the contract. But that doesn't stop with Yusef. John is really determined. He's out there to get everybody that's yeah. involved. That includes Vigo himself. And that was actually out of the two scenes. That was my second favorite okay. and in my quotes. I- right. Well, when we get to quotes, you can just bring that up. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And next up would be Marcus being tortured and killed by Vigo and Mr. Perkins. That was so intense. John was hit hard yet again. He lost his wife, his dog and a friend that cared for him. Right. And, and one that refused to kill him with all the chances he had. He had he had him in you his know? scopes at that yep. point and just refused to do it. He couldn't do it. And that's why Vigo takes him out in the end. In fact, yep. I think when he's on the building at one point, he's taking out other guys and protecting John. He is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you do see it. Willem Dafoe does a great job at doing that. And it's so sad to see him go in the end. You know, the point of family, friends, those you care for. He left that life for over five years. Now he is in the thick of things with these people. And now all vengeance, all vengeance is let loose at that point. Now, Miss Perry being dispatched, that was great. Yeah. I didn't really like that character, but she didn't do her job. So Ian McShane's character had to take her out. <laughs> well, and she's not supposed to be a likable person. No, no, she's not. No. She's beautiful, but not likable. Yeah. And then uh, another one would be John's own sacrifice to take out Vigo. He takes the knife, but in the end, Vigo dies. Mm-hmm. But yet, John remains. So we need to have more John, which we do. We get two more sequels. <laughs> There's then, nothing wrong with more John. Yep. Then that final scene in the kennel that John breaks into, he takes a dog that is crying for him, you know. You know, he's just whimpering there and just reminded him of that little puppy. But this Mm -hmm. one's pretty much almost a grown dog at that point, all because of Helen. Right. And it's it's an abandoned dog who has no one and nothing. It needs someone to love. Kind of like John himself. He's abandoned Mm -hmm. in his own mind. So basically a new life, a new dog. And then that thumping techno music fades away to give us 
a sequel, John Wick 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just watch them back to back, and it's like one long one long six movie. hour movie. Yeah. yeah, you could do that. You uh-huh. can do that. And they, they, they plan on more sequels, too. So, yeah, they have two more. All right. So, within the podcast, we move on to inter- interesting facts and unknown facts about the movie John Wick. So, I'll start off, and then Kat can chime in on whatever she has to offer, too. Or if not, read what I found, which are really interesting, cool facts that I didn't even know until I read them. So the first one off would be John Wick was originally titled Scorn. So screenwriter Derek Kolstad wrote a revenge thriller titled Scorn that first circulated back in 2012. And Kolstad said he was inspired by the films like 2008's Taken and 2004's Man on Fire. Both good movies. Yeah, both feature determined men with the special skills out for revenge. You know, that Liam Neeson oh, <laughs> thing that we always recite. <laughs> I have plenty of skills. I will find mm. you and I will kill you. <laughs> so, <laughs> so by the time the movie was released in 2014, it had become John Wick. The reason Kolstad explained was that Keanu Reeves kept referring to the script by the character's name. And distributor Lionsgate believed it would be too much free publicity to lose, which would be cool. Much better. A much better title, too. Definitely. Because I'm sure a lot of us at that point was like, who's this John Wick guy? And when we saw that trailer, you know, but as soon as you see the trailer, you're like, oh, I got to see this because this John Wick guy is really cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And John Wick, you know, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Makes sense. You know, and you're talking to someone, John Wick, John Wick, John Wick. You keep repeating it. No one's going to forget what movie it is. Exactly. Yeah. One little funny note in there. I have my notes in here. It's funny how some of your notes and my notes are weird fun facts. Yeah, they're similar or they dovetail together is that at one point, the character was going to be a 70-year-old man. And the dog was going to be 18. I know it's weird. It's kind of unbelievable, but we do have two more movies left. So maybe that idea will circle back around. It would have been a different movie, but it could be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Imagine Keanu Reeves by the time he's 70, he's doing another John Wick movie and he's got an old dog. (laughs) Well, but you know, right now he's 56. I said 70, not 56. (laughs) Well, yeah, they have to take a long time to film those other movies, but he can play older, you know? Yeah, definitely he can. And he'd still kick ass. All right. So did you have one that you wanted to offer that you have some information? I saw you had a few. Well, I think that's the one that kind of fits with that that I would have uh, thrown in. Okay. The one... uh, well, we brought up Derek Colstead, the, yeah. the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, what a fun movie. It, imagine that man's head, you know, putting this <laughs> together, you know? Exactly. I wonder, actually, I said that. I wonder if he's like Keanu, where he's just a really chill, you know, reserved guy. And this is how he's getting it out, just like Keanu's getting it out as the actor. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he gets it out in word format or script yeah. writing, and he exactly. just sits there with his coffee in, in the morning. Yeah, yeah, slippers on, feet up, petting his dog. So, I don't know, that just popped into my head. Um, But there's a movie coming out. And one of the things that that I was excited about, you know, we chose this movie, is the trailer came out, I believe, this week for a movie called Nobody. And he wrote that also. And, yeah, he did. And also David Leach, one of the directors, is involved with that, I think, as a producer, Um, But if you go back and anyone, if you go watch the trailer, it's terrific. But having the director and the writer involved, it's really clear how much DNA it has with John Wick. You know, the the main character is a former auditor. So he's involved with some. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't think he's I don't think he's an accountant accountant. (laughs) I don't think he's auditing for, you know, he's not he's not the accountant like Ben Affleck. Right. Either that or I thought of, you know, an auditor in the way that people interview and audit people. We'll have to see. I wasn't sure about that. But uh, it stars Bob Odenkirk. Oh, yes. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. He's going to be terrific and, you know, terrific. And imagine seeing him in a totally different role. But he kind of plays instead of, you know, the hot, sexy 
John Wick. He he plays again a middle aged man mm-hmm. who's living a normal life, and actually it looks like suburbia. Mm-hmm. So the movie's called Nobody, but he's kind of like that everyman. You know, he's the guy next door who's mowing his lawn in the beginning of the movie. No one has no one has any idea of what his former life was. So it has. I just. I can see a lot of DNA in there and there's actually some really good articles out about it, but looking forward to that. And it's going to release January, no, February 26th of next year, but it just looks fabulous. And so it, like a, a combination of Michael Douglas's version of falling down and John wick, if you think about it, because if you remember listeners, <laughs> Michael Douglas played in a movie called falling down where a guy just like loses it. And goes crazy. <laughs> and in the first part of the trailer, before you learn that some of that's coming from his former life, that is exactly the movie I pictured. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, next up would be John Wick got his name from a real person. When Colstad was writing Scorn, he decided to name his protagonist after his grandfather, John Wick, a businessman <laughs> who owned Wick Building Systems in Madison, Wisconsin. Ah, yes. Bill Madison. <laughs> Colstad was initially worried his grandfather might not consider it a compliment. Wick is a contract killer after all, but the real Wick was flattered. And he states, I was tickled by Dirk using my name for a movie and the Hitman character was frosting on the cake. Uh, so the real, that's what the real Wick told Madison Magazine in 2017. So. That's, That's cool. terrific. I didn't know that. But yeah, well, I guess with a creative mind like Derek's, the fact that his grandfather thought that was awesome makes sense. Cool. Third one up would be John Wick was directed by the stuntman who worked with Keanu Reeves on The Matrix. So you already brought this up, Kat. When Reeves committed to John Wick, he looped in Chad Stalieski and David Leach, two stuntmen who collaborated with Reeves on the intense action sequences in 1999's The Matrix and operated 8711 Action Design and Action Stunts Company for films. Reeves wanted them involved with the action choreography for John Wick, but was also secretly hoping the two would want to direct the film. They would, and actually they were asked to be second direction on it. And Keanu knew they were involved in, and they decided, and they went in actually and sold their pitch, Chad and, and Leach, hmm. that they wanted, yeah, they were asked to be second. And they walked in and talked to the Basil, I'm sorry, I can't remember his last name, but they went in and sold themselves and Keanu was right behind them. Awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so, so fortunately for all involved, they agreed. So Stolyevsky ultimately received a sole directing credit on the film due to the director's Guild of America rules. Leach was credited as producer. Ah. That's pretty cool. And he's actually, he is involved with the new movie Nobody. I believe he's credited as the producer for that, too. So he's and building he's a career at this point with this. Mm-hmm. It's a new movement instead of just stunt work he's getting more involved with the films which is pretty cool right he's, he's expanding his career as a it's, so that's why you know the same writer and leeches is involved it's no wonder there's a lot of dna in there yeah, here's something that a lot of women and some men out there might enjoy keanu reeves recovered from shooting john wick by taking ice baths So I'm sure a majority of them out there would want to do that just the same. Though he was nearing the age of 50 when he began shooting John Wick, Reeves was still game to perform many of the stunts and tumbling around that comes with, you know, an action film role. In 2014, Reeves told the Los Angeles Times that he had a method for recovering from the long day of shooting ice baths. And he states, I first learned about ice on the Matrix, but this was another level. He said, I'd get home from a day of filming get the water to 37 degrees and lie in it up to my neck. And it was heaven. <laughs> oh, cannot imagine that being heaven. I prefer um, hot tubs, but the, it actually too, if that was the way he recovered, it's funny because in the filming, especially, I mean, it was very rainy, but that was filmed this time of year. It was filmed in the summer. So it was like 37 degrees outside in the rain. So it, it, during the cemetery scene and when he's talking with Willem Dafoe, you can see their breath. And it's because yeah. it's December in New Jersey and in New York and raining. So, I mean, 
How could he go home and get in 37 degree water? He was already 37. So maybe it wasn't so shocking. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm already, my body's already at that temperature uh-huh, at that point. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but it actually works for the muscles. They say that when it comes with sports, that actually helps. Mm-hmm. So if you do see a lot of football players that get into ice baths yep. like that, they're literally pouring in ice on them. And it does help from what I'm told. I've never gone to that extreme where I actually had to do that. Preferably, I would rather be in a regular tub, lukewarm, just hanging out and relaxing. But that's me. Uh, yeah, I do it completely the wrong way then, because if I have a chance, I'm going to get in a jacuzzi or hot tub, <laughs> a hot bubble bath, whatever. But yeah, I'm doing it all wrong. <laughs> so my next action movie, I'll just, I'll try Keanu Reeves. There you go. That's <laughs> it there. Yeah. Next bit of information would be Bridget Moynihan didn't read the entire John Wick script, apparently. <laughs> really? So Bridget Moynihan, who plays Ellen Wick, John's deceased wife in the flashback, said she purposely didn't read the entire script so that she wouldn't be affected by her husband's aptitude for killing. Okay. And there was a large portion of the story that I didn't want to be informed about. That's what Moynihan said. And I didn't want or need to know that side of John. Helen sure, brought, just like the character. Yeah. Helen just like brought, the character. Yeah, Helen brought love and light and joy into his life. Knowing the other side of it would make it a different story for me. So that makes sense. So think about it. It's like meeting this person out of the blue. You don't know their past but you're in love, you, you know, so this is the new chapter of his life. But if she knew that beforehand, she'd be running down the road <laughs> away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he would have married someone completely different. The action in John Wick had to be muted on the set. So this is interesting. Few viewers walk away from the John Wick thinking the film was too reserved in its action sequences. But on location in New York City, Stalyevsky and Leach had to exercise caution when and it came to staging, you know, shootouts and car chases and not it's not just for safety or anything. Their filming permit didn't allow for blank ammunition. So computerized <laughs> muzzle flashes were often used. The permit also prohibited cars from speeding even when streets were blocked off. So think about that. A lot of those action sequences had to be kind of digitally installed as well as the muzzle shots. So it makes me think, well, on set, instead of them using blanks where you could actually hear the cartridge fire, I could hear it in the back of my head, and this will be funny. Bang, bang. Like, yes. make believe when you're a kid, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's where my mind went, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so did they just speed up the film so the cars looked faster? I would assume so, or they did something uh, digitally to make it work, but it's kind of hard in this day and age. But if I remember correctly, the scenes where the vehicles were moving were pretty short anyway. They didn't go very far. Exactly. So that might be why. Um, yeah. What am I weird? You brought up digital, adding things digitally, like the the gunshots and all those things. I mean, they, they had to meet the rain, too. But here's a weird fact, everybody. The poo that the puppy leaves out in the yard mm-hmm. is not real poo. They spent it's five, digital. <laughs> they they spent $5,000 putting a digital dog poo in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's... The most expensive poo in film. Exactly. Dislike the idea of the cat and alien being paid what would be the equivalent of a thousand dollars a week. Yeah. <laughs> the highest paid cat in the world. Well, back then it was like over a hundred and something dollars or whatever, but now it's like with interest and inflation and everything, it was like considered like a thousand dollars. They were paid weekly. <laughs> it was funny when I found that out. I was like, Really? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Well, next one up, John Wick has a hobby that didn't make the final cut. I didn't know that. While John Wick's interest in life seemed to be mostly restricting to killing people in creative ways, he's apparently able to express himself through less violent means. Tell me it's stamp collecting or coin collecting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, according to Reeves, the the script for John Wick included a scene in which Wick works on restoring old leather-bound books. It was filmed, but didn't make the final edit. So that's interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, you'd have to, you'd have to cut some time in there for more action. Yeah. So another one would be a John Wick television series minus John Wick is in the works. Yay. Yeah. Each John Wick film reveals more about the professional code of conduct governing the assassin's trade. Their common ground is the Continental, a hotel designed to cater to killers without fear of being attacked. This sometimes doesn't work as people try to kill John Wick there anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lionsgate is pursuing a television series, The Continental, based on the hotel. That's expected to premiere sometime following the release of John Wick 4, which is currently scheduled for a May 2022 release. So Awesome. I'm excited for that. Awesome. It'd be great if they could get um, Ian McShane in there, some guest appearances by Keanu Reeves. I would bet more for Ian McShane and possibly the guy that was at the hotel in the lobby taking the money for his room. You know, the, the, oh, the yeah, one the concierge, the concierge. Mm-hmm. I could see that maybe a few of the people that we see in the background that were sure. killers themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I could see that. It'd be interesting. And I'm pretty sure those coin replicas will go up in value now that people are selling online so <laughs> somebody has a real metal one i would love one by the way but all i see is people just you know making 3d copied plastic versions of them <laughs> I, I i i'll hold out for gold yeah a real gold one no nah, yeah. i'm not talking about you know a tin mm-hmm. one or something people <laughs> <laughs> you can send that to you. 999 <laughs> x boulevard new york new york exactly Well, next up on the podcast, we love to go into quotes. So I'm going to start off with mine. And it starts off with Vigo Tarasov saying, It's not what you did, son, that angers me so. It's it's who you did it to. And and Yusuf looks at his father and says, Who? That fucking nobody? And Vigo just retorts, That fucking nobody is John Wick. He once was an associate of ours. They call him Baba Yaga. And Yusuf looks at his father and goes, the boogeyman? And then Vigo retorts, well, John wasn't exactly the boogeyman. He was the one you sent to kill the boogeyman. So that shows how dark John is. <laughs> yeah, that was terrific. That, that turn, yeah, he's who you sent to kill the boogeyman. Yeah. And I had, to, I had to laugh in rewatching this. I'm glad you pulled that quote out because he says that fucking nobody like the movie Nobody coming up. Yep, that worked. Weird out. connection. Yeah, I'm I'm always looking for those. That's where my brain goes. But yeah, that was a terrific scene. Yeah, and you had one too because that's the only one I have. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, and actually, it, it's with Vigo too, and mm-hmm. it would have been my second favorite scene the one that kind of circles back around and i have the long quote and in the trailer was just a short quote Mm -hmm. so do you want me to read the whole quote go ahead okay i'll try (laughs) (laughs) but my favorite quote was from i think you'd mentioned it the scene where vigo he's actually captured john he's tied Mm -hmm. up and john tells him about what the puppy meant to him so they're they're having this conversation and back and forth over Vigo's, you know, kind of berating him while he's tied up. Vigo's talking to John about how he left, you know, because we find out in the beginning that somehow he was able to leave the the guild, the Assassin's Guild, and had actually made an agreement. He had to do something special to get out. And I believe there was part of why the contract was on him was that once you're out, you're out. Yeah, You know, you do not step back into that role. And that's why the contract was out on him. And mm-hmm. all the other assassins were after him. So Vigo is talking to him about how he left. And he gets in John's, well, he gets in John's face. He kind of goes back and forth. But what Vigo says is, a lot of us are rewarded for our deeds. And he tells John, which is why God took your wife and unleashed you upon me. This life follows us. It clings to us and infects everyone who comes close to us. We are cursed, you and I. And so what John replies is, on that we agree. And Vigo says, finally, common ground. And I said that lightheartedly. Of course, they're more (laughs) angry. 
yes, than my are. rating, you know. So Keanu um, tells him, Vigo, step aside. Give me your son. And Vigo replies, Baba Yaga. It was just a fucking dog. Just a fucking car. And then John goes on telling him about his wife. Um, and what he says is, when Helen died, I lost everything. Until that dog arrived on my doorstep. A final gift from my wife. In that moment, I received some semblance of hope, an opportunity to grieve. And your son took that from me, stole that from me, killed that for me. And this is the best part of the quote. People keep asking me if I'm back, and I really haven't had an answer. But yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> Which pretty much was a threat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys, you got to watch the scene. Uh, they do it much better than I do. I'll have to practice my reading. Uh. Yeah, it's okay. I think they got the point, though. <laughs> and if you, and I'm sure those of you listeners that watch the movie know the scene. Come on, it's it's really intense. And oh yeah, just when it, the part alone when he says, "People keep asking me if I'm back." Yeah, and it's in one of the trailers. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is true. So forgive me for my reading, people. It's okay. So with the podcast, we move on to the rating of this movie. Now, we rate this movie between 1 and 10 on an adrenaline scale. I can never go to 10, but I made the joke once saying, well, maybe I'll just do the Spinal Tap thing and say it goes to 11. But I'm not going to do that this time. Sorry. Not on this movie. Not on this movie, but it does have a high rating. So I gave it 9.5 out of 10 on an adrenaline scale. This was a great movie. Nonstop action. Hit you in all the feels when it came to certain scenes, like I stated before. And I'm just so happy that Kat suggested this film to cover. Yeah, I love I love this film. I love the series. I can't imagine giving 10s, but I really think I could with this one for action films at the time. Yeah. Um, it just it knocked it out of the park with the acting, the intensity in, in both situations. So, I mean, if 48 kills. I mean, what <laughs> other movie at the time could you have that many great shots and, you know. From one guy. Yeah. From, <laughs> from one guy. And he kills 40, well, he kills 84 people just to get to the last one. He's mm -hmm. only trying to kill one person. Exactly. You know, you know, the rest of them just all got in his way. They got know? in a way. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. <laughs> yeah, just, you guys, it was their fault. You know, it was up to them. So, but yeah, I could give this one a 10 out of 10. All right, cool. Perfect. And with that, we'll move on to what I like to call guilty pleasure movies. And those are any movies that are not popular or great. Maybe had a really bad IMDb rating or something. Or maybe it's something that you mentioned to a friend. They're like, oh, God, that movie sucked. But you love them just the same, regardless of what everybody else thinks. So with that being, if this is a Keanu Reeves movie, I had to go deep into the well. I had to go back 20 years to the movie The Watcher from 2000, where Keanu actually did play. And I mentioned this before. This is very different for Keanu Reeves. He played a serial killer in the movie. And it has James Spader in it as an FBI agent that is hunting down Keanu. And you get to see how he uses his charm to get to these women that he has to kill. And Marissa Tomei is in it as one of the possible targets that they have to protect. And I thought he was really good in it. And I loved it. He stepped aside and played a villain of all things in a movie, which... I don't think we've ever really saw it unless you saw Bill and Ted face the music when he was evil <laughs> Ted. But I, I don't know. <laughs> but the, this this movie was not highly regarded at the time. I remember I saw this in the theaters. I think it was one of the last few movies I saw in the Staten Island UA theaters before I moved upstate New York. And I, I remembered it. And I had to go back to it, like, uh, I would say about a couple of years ago. And I'm like, wow, this movie still holds up. And I thought it was pretty cool. So I recommend it. It only got like 5.4 on the Rotten Tomato scale. But I still like it nonetheless. Yeah, I, I don't believe I've seen that one. I'll have to go back and look. There you go. Yeah. Do you have one? So 
I guess I'd have to go back in and watch it. But I remember at the time really loving Sweet November. I, okay. I referred to it as November Man before, but um, Chili's Throne and Keanu Reeves in it, that probably would be a guilty pleasure because of what kind of movie it is for me. Um, but I remember loving it at the time. And this isn't Keanu Reeves in this thought, uh, but we brought up Johnny Mnemonic when we were talking. Yes. And the movie it reminded me of was Lawnmower Man. And Johnny Mnemonic, because they had the effects with the gloves and everything in it. That's what a lot of people get out of that. That was actually the beginning of the cyberpunk era. Mm -hmm. And Keanu Reeves, a lot of those, uh, you listeners out there, if you're not aware, in the early uh, to mid-90s, Keanu got into the whole cyberpunk novels that were out there. And that was the reason why he didn't Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, and actually, I think Lawnmower Man was not well-received. But when you brought that up, there's one movie that's really, really unique that Keanu is in, and it's Through the Glass Darkly. Yeah, uh, a a scanner darkly. Oh, you're right. I had that wrong. I looked Yeah, and it had Winona Ryder and a bunch of other people. Mm -hmm. The way it looks is very – it's cartoonish. Right. It's more animation. Yeah, it's like they did mm-hmm. mocap with their – they filmed it normally but overlaid like a cartoon over it. Like they did all the shading over it to make it look like a cartoon. It's very interesting, very different for its time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't really like the movie because of the way it is and the way it presents. But it's it's like a whole – It's not a feel-good movie. No, it's not at all. No, There's a no. lot of uh, reference about heroin addiction and a whole bunch of other things. I I, I – Forget if Robert Downey Jr. was in it. I know Winona Ryder was in it and a few other people. Oh, but. There were a lot of people I'd have to go back. And that might be a guilty pleasure. Um, and I did see that one in the theater. And of all weird things, my son and I saw that together in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> one of those awkward mom-son uh, moments probably. But we actually have watched all the John Wick movies in the theater too. That's, that's our jam to go and see that. That's fine. Of... Everybody has those things. Kind of like some people have that. Oh, I have to see the Star Wars movie with my kids. Oh, I have to see the Terminator movies with my kids. There are certain movies that people love to do. So with that, we're heading towards the end of this particular podcast. So where can listeners hear you or do you have any podcast recommendations? I know you've been on. You've been on my other podcast, Panels to Pixels, and you've done Snowpiercer which we're both awaiting for the new season, and I can't wait for that mm-hmm. to come out. But do you have anything that you would like to re- recommend? Well, right now I'm just guest hosting, uh, working my way up to something else, have a couple ideas. Um, but the two, I guess, the two podcasts that I could recommend that are kind of the opposite of this are, um, there's one called How Did This Get Made?, Oh yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's 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 another one, god awful movies. Yep, it, it, both of those. So you know, if you want to see something or listen to something, the opposite of this, or run for your lives, you know, uh, go listen to those. Cool. Well, I could be found on panels to pixels on the Next Level Podcast Network. So check me out there. Steve and I just talk about movies, TV shows, anime, anything that talks about comic books anything comic book related so we just finished and wrapped up the boys so you guys could go check that out i believe scott pilgrim versus the world there's going to be a little panels to pixels takeover between Pake allen and ben beck with steve being on board i hope he got his dukes up because they can have a lot of fun with that one <laughs> yeah yeah there, and, and- both of those guys love this movie. They could probably recite. I know Pate could recite it yes. from beginning to end. So Steve's really going to have to jump in there to get, to get a word <laughs> in edgewise. <laughs> It'll be a good show, though, you guys. They all are. Well, for you listeners, if you want to submit your theories or feedback or whatever you want to talk about, you could always go to our Facebook page, which would be facebook.com slash Adrenaline Cinema Podcast. We always try to post whatever we're going to be talking about next within 
some sort of post with a picture and sometimes the wallpaper changes to that particular movie that we're going to be covering. And you could just leave in the comments below the picture. So do so when we say this is the next movie we're going to be covering. If you want, you could go always just send an email and you could send that to Adrenaline cinema podcast at gmail.com steve likes to record himself and just send that voicemail out in an email form which is perfect so you could do the same from your phone so you don't have to be fancy with a microphone but you could also just send out a regular email just as well just type out your thoughts and we'll read them on the the podcast when they come and if you want we could be heard on apple Podcasts, spotify pandora TuneIn, deezer or whatever podcast player of choice that you use but if there are ratings there and they're available, please give us a rating if you can. We would really appreciate it. Give us a rating or a review on one of those platforms, and it would be greatly appreciated. So, But with that, I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Mark. And I'm Kat. And this was Adrenaline Cinema Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great day. Bye.